Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, this is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, Listener Mail. My name is Joe McCormick. My regular co-host, Robert Lamb, is out today, so I'm going to be recording this episode solo. Today is Monday, the day of each week that we read back messages from the Stuff to Blow Your Mind email address. As always, if you would like to get in touch with us to provide feedback to a recent episode or add something interesting on a subject we've covered, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. A brief announcement before I get to your messages. Rob and I both are going to be out for the rest of this week and uh, and also part of next week. So we've got some vault episodes in the pipeline for you until we're back. All right. I'm going to kick things off with an excellent response to our episode on Rat Kings by our listener, Chad. Uh, and uh, for a refresher on the Rat King episode, a Rat King is the common name for a group of rats joined by the tail, usually with their tail tips tangled in a large knotted ball. And dozens of Rat King finds have been reported from especially Central and Eastern Europe since the 16th century, and a few have been preserved in museum collections, though there is still some debate about whether Rat Kings occur naturally or whether they are all the work of hoaxers like the the Fiji mermaid or other manipulated biological remains. Uh, A couple of the best sources we looked at concluded from various lines of evidence and reasoning that rat kings probably do occur naturally in the species Rattus ratus, the black rat, if not in other rats. Uh, And it happens when the rat's tails become stuck or frozen together while the rats are huddling in their nests during uh, cold weather. And then from the natural movement of the rats, uh, the, the tails end up tied in an inescapable knot. 
And I think I said at the end of the episode that I, I, I am basically persuaded that rat kings probably do occur naturally along these lines, but that uh, at the same time, some questions still remain, such as like, why are, why do the reports of them only go back to the 16th century? That is kind of strange if they, they occur naturally. Um, and so there are also still some reasons to be skeptical. But anyway, on to Chad's message. Chad says, in the Rat King episode, y'all suggested one particular sighting was unlikely to be fabricated because the people probably hadn't heard of Rat Kings, had no obvious motive, and let some of the tales loosen. Uh, now, I think I need to pause in the message here and respond to this part directly for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is that in the case in question, and Chad is talking about uh, the the Rat King of Saru, Estonia. Uh, in the case in question, these were not our original observations. They were observations made by the author of a journal article that we were talking about. And I'll mention the full citation again in a minute. But the second clarification I would make is that uh, the way I understood it, the author of the paper did not cite the things you just mentioned as like the main reasons for thinking that rat kings occur in nature and are not all man-made. Instead, these observations were meant to elaborate on the author's judgment that there was no particular reason to suspect falsification in this case. And I guess the distinction I'm making there is that in addition to examining the physical evidence, the author was also saying there's nothing about the people who found this rat king that would obviously suggest they're pulling a hoax. Of course, they still could be pulling a hoax. It's entirely possible. I think the author is just stipulating that, you know, there's no clear evidence pointing to that interpretation the way there would be if they were uh, obviously seeking fame and money or caught tampering with the evidence or something like that. But I want to continue with Chad's message here because I think it makes some really great points. Chad goes on. That made me think of James the Amazing Randy, who spent a lifetime disproving supernatural claims. In his book Flim Flam, he listed, quote, 20 hallmarks of paranormal chicanery. These seem relevant. One, it is claimed that the subject does not seek money or fame, and thus no motive to deceive exists. The assumption made is that only money and notoriety are plausible motives. Ego and just plain fun are not thought to be sufficient. 2. The subject, parentheses, a child, peasant, or a sweet little old lady, is said to be incapable of the techniques required. Lack of sophistication precludes deception. And 3. Faults discovered in the story or performance tend to prove the phenomenon is real, it is agreed, since a clever trickster would not make such basic errors. And then in summary, Chad says, I don't know if rat kings are natural or man-made, but humans can be ingenious when it comes to fraud. So thank you for the message, Chad. And yes, I strongly agree with all of these points, though I think they apply to the rat king in question to different extents. Uh, so one thing to point out is that rat kings are different from most of the the types of claims uh, of like supernatural or paranormal phenomena that Randy investigated. Uh, you know, he would look into people who claim to have powers of telekinesis or remote viewing and things like that. In rat kings, uh, even though they are rare and bizarre, they do not seem incompatible with any known laws of nature, and whether or not they occur naturally, it seems perfectly plausible in principle. 
that they could be created by ordinary physical mechanisms. So you don't have to posit like another layer of reality in order for rat kings to exist. Uh, you know, they, they could totally be created by just like rats huddling in, in their nest and then maybe urinating and then the urine freezes and their tails stick together and then they move around a lot and this ties their tails in a knot. That's like a, that's a normal ordinary mechanism. It's, it's still a good question whether this does in fact happen in nature, but nothing seems all that implausible about it. And because of that, I'd say for me personally, like before we look at any of the specific evidence for or against them, the baseline probability of rat kings occurring in nature is a lot higher than that of other things Randy was investigating, like people being able to see through sheets of solid lead or levitate objects with their minds. Uh, so anyway, uh, to come to the case in question, these considerations that, that Chad mentions came up when we were talking about the Rat King of Saru, Estonia. Uh, this was an alleged find from a village in, I think, uh, southwestern Estonia in 2005, which was discussed in a paper by an author named Andre Milyutin, published in 2007 in the Proceedings of the Estonian Academy of Sciences, Biology, and Ecology. And after investigating the remains of the animals and the history of this find, which uh, was found on a farm in uh, this village of Saru, uh, the author of the paper concluded for a number of reasons that the Rat King was most likely a genuine natural biofact and not a hoax constructed by the farmer who found it. And I guess I'll go through some of the claims raised by the author that were singled out by Chad and then compare those to the points raised by James Randi. So first of all, the author... Uh, mentions that the farmer claimed to have never heard of rat kings before and that the farmer did not seek or receive any financial reward for the find. But James Randi says, you know, uh, believers often say this about people who claim they have psychic powers or that they communicated with uh, Bigfoot or any number of other weird and unlikely claims. And it, it doesn't actually prove all that much, because even if it's true that the person is not profiting from their their claim in terms of fame or money, sometimes that's not even true to begin with. But even if that is true, people have obscure motives. People do things to amuse themselves, to see if they can get away with it, to get attention on a very small scale, or maybe just because they truly believe in the underlying phenomena they're trying to provide evidence of, and they want others to believe it as well, and they think that perpetrating a hoax will further that belief in something that they ultimately do think is real. You know, you got to do a hoax to show people the truth. There are all kinds of motives people can have for deception, and we should be humble in accepting that it might not be obvious to us what a person's motivation would be. So in the case of the Saru Rat King, I, I think that it would be relevant information if we saw that the farmer who found this Rat King was clearly trying to leverage their find into money or fame. But the fact that they're not trying to do that provides only minimal information about whether the Rat King is natural. The second issue Chad raises is that, quote, the subject is said to be incapable of the techniques required. Lack of sophistication precludes deception. I guess the way I would see this applying to Rat Kings is the author of the paper pointing out that it is impossible to tie up the tails of living rats without anesthesia, without uh, you know, making them go to sleep with the help of drugs, which most people would not be able to pull off. Most people would not be able to uh, anesthetize all these rats and glue their tails together. Uh, I think this is a more solid point, especially since, as far as I'm aware, 
For the first few hundred years during which rat kings were originally reported, there were no widely known and reliable methods of veterinary anesthesia. I, I looked into this a little bit, and I think that's the case, though if uh, you have evidence to the contrary, please write in with it. I'd be interested in that. But anyway, I'll also remember the conclusion I mentioned in the Rat King episode from those very sad, unfortunate, experimental Rat King studies. Uh, and that conclusion was that tying the tails of dead rats together does not work. It does not create the kind of knot ball in the tail that uh, Rat Kings are reported to have. And also, many Rat Kings are reported to uh, contain animals still alive when they're found. So th these would have to be created by people who are who are tying together the tails of living rats. And to do that, you pretty much would just have to put the rats to sleep somehow. Uh, and that would take m modern techniques and pharmacology. So while I do take Randy's general point that we, we shouldn't be too quick to judge a superficially unsophisticated person as being incapable of pulling off a clever fraud, in this case, I think the physical and pharmaceutical requirements for creating a Rat King are a kind of big hurdle to get over, uh, especially historically, I guess less so in the modern day. And while it wouldn't be impossible to do today, it, it would be difficult under what the author calls farm conditions. So uh, this is not conclusive about the Sorry Rat King, doesn't prove it's real, but I do think this is a stronger piece of evidence that, that makes a fraud seem less likely. And then third, uh, Chad says, quote, faults discovered in the story or performance tend to prove the phenomenon real, it is agreed, since a clever trickster would not make such basic errors. And I think this one is a really good point. It, it goes to the observation that even though the, uh, the tail knot of the Rat King uh, loosened as the rats dried out, no one made a subsequent attempt to tighten it. And I agree that that does not actually prove all that much, except that, you know, it's worth flagging in the negative, as in there was no obvious attempt made to tamper with the evidence to make it look more convincing. And it would be notable if there had been such an attempt, but there wasn't. Though, again, this, this in itself is not strong evidence that the Rat King was natural. Now, the author of that paper we were looking at did conclude on the basis of uh, examining the physical evidence and relying on past work, including the reasoning of uh, Martin Hart, whom we also cited in the episode, that Rat Kings probably are genuine. And remember, another piece of reasoning that Hart offered is that they are essentially always made up of the species Rattus ratus instead of other species like Rattus norvegicus, even in places where both species are present, suggesting something about the behavior and biology of Rattus ratus could be what allows the kings to form. Uh, but anyway, coming back to, to Chad's point about the, the wisdom of the late James Randi, I, I agree with all these points. And I would say as a general rule, I think we should be careful about trying to determine what really happened in, in an unsolved situation or an ambiguous uh, situation by relying on what you might call theory of mind considerations, like making internal inferences about the people involved, you know, what they know, what their motivations are, how you think they would behave in a given situation and so forth. In other words, if somebody tells a weird story and you're trying to figure out if the story is true, I just wouldn't place a lot of weight on evidence such as my opinion about 
whether the person would have a motive to lie or not, or my opinion about how a person would have acted if they were lying versus if they were telling the truth and so forth. So forth. That kind of stuff might provide a, a little bit of information, but not a whole lot. And it just it relies on unverifiable speculation about the, the mind states of other people. And in a case where you actually do have like physical and scientific evidence to refer to, there's just not a lot of reason to rely on those theory of mind considerations. So anyway, thank you, Chad. Okay, I'm going to move on to some messages uh, in response to our series called The Sunken Lands about uh, areas that within the last few thousand years were dry land but are now submerged in water. This first message comes from Chris. Chris says, Hi, Robert and Joe. Really enjoying the series on sunken lands. Your mention of the church tower and submerged village in Italy prompted me to share the story of Vale House Reservoir in Derbyshire, UK. It was built along with a series of adjoining reservoirs in the 1860s to provide drinking water to the nearby city of Manchester and surrounding towns. Once construction was completed, the local village and its mill were flooded. I will let Wikipedia take over from here. Quote, The chimney at the Vale House Mill survived the construction of the reservoir and became known as the Whispering Chimney, as it produced ghostly noises during strong winds. It was demolished in 1887 at the request of the Manchester to Sheffield uh, Railway Company who feared for the stability of their trains when all the passengers crowded over to one side of a carriage to see the chimney protruding from the waters of the reservoir. Thanks for all your hard work. Best wishes, Chris. Well, thank you, Chris. You know, uh, I went to, this is a great story. So I went to the wiki to check out the source of that story. And unfortunately, the citation goes to a dead link. I did a little more digging. I didn't have a lot of time, but some brief digging and didn't find much on this. So if uh, anybody listening has a good source on uh, this this chimney from the Vale House Reservoir, I, I send it our way, please. Contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com because that's a great story about the railway company. I would love to know more about that. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, this message comes from Harry. Harry says, hey, Robert and Joe, happy holidays. Longtime listener, first time writing in. I finally have a relevant anecdote. I loved your inclusion of the Hoffaker paper and the Beringian hypothesis in the third Sunken Lands episode. Uh, this was the paper about the, uh, the so-called Beringian standstill hypothesis, which argues for several reasons that the, the ancestors of uh, the people who eventually spread in to populate the Americas uh, lived in the area of Beringia, in the area sort of between modern-day Russia and Alaska for thousands of years, specifically stayed there isolated from the rest of the Asian population for thousands of years before they spread down into the, the rest of the American continents. Uh, so anyway, uh, picking up in Harry's uh, message, Harry says, my professor at St. Andrews University in the Earth and Environmental Science Department told me a story of how he met one of the authors of the Hoff paper at a conference. They mentioned the hypothesis to him, and it happened to be that he had just conducted research on modeling and proxy data in the North Pacific. He had found that during the last glacial maximum, changes in the Kuroshio current, which makes Vancouver temperate at high latitude today, drove warm water and mild climate to Beringia. This supported the hypothesis and further explained a long time gap in the DNA evidence. Beringia could have been a haven with populations potentially blocked from moving elsewhere by continental ice sheets for many thousands of years. Together, they managed to book time on a Bering Sea research cruise to sonar for evidence of the civilization. In a devastating twist that partially explains why evidence of Beringia is so scarce, the notoriously bad weather of the Bering Sea 
force them to cancel part of the cruise and the research couldn't be completed. That would mean that it certainly was a standstill of a kind, even to those living at the time. As migration has been a constant for our species, few of us could imagine living in such a constrained context. Yet such people may be the ancestors of all North American first peoples. Keep up the great work, Harry. That is fascinating. Thank you, Harry. Okay, one last message. This comes from Aaron. Aaron says, Gentlemen, I very much enjoyed your recent episodes on sunken lands, and it brought to mind a place not far from y'all, Adisto Island, South Carolina. The history of the island connects with your recent episodes in two ways. First, the coast of what is now South Carolina extended far out into what is now ocean during the last ice age. See this article for a map showing the approximate location of the old coastline. And then uh, Aaron attaches a link to a U.S. Geological Survey article that does have a map that shows the coastline going way out from where it is today. The message goes on, because of this, there is a particular part of the beach in Edisto State Park where numerous fossils from prehistoric land animals can be found, particularly after a storm. I've attached a little map showing the location in case y'all ever visit. I've also attached a picture of some of our discoveries from our last visit. It includes shark's teeth and other marine fossils. Occasionally, pottery shards and stone tools from prehistoric human inhabitants of the area can also be found. I believe the red-circled rock in the picture is a bit of broken pottery with some simple decoration, though please take my dilettantish identification with a grain of salt. Second, Adisto has its own Atlantis story. Prior to 1893, there was an island off the coast of Edisto called Eddingsville, and it was very chic among local planters to have beach houses there. There were even two churches on the island, Episcopal and Presbyterian. A series of hurricanes over the course of the 19th century washed the entire island away. The churches were moved before the island's final destruction and are now on Edisto Island. One of them is still being used as a church, I believe, but some of the houses were destroyed destroyed during the hurricanes, and because of this, 19th century brick fragments are also easy to find on the beach in Edisto State Park. They are usually fairly small, but I found the big one in the third picture on my second ever visit to the beach. The golf ball is for scale. It makes a great bookend. And uh, of course, uh, Aaron has many pictures attached here. Finally, on an unrelated note, the Omega Man has come up a few times, including in the most recent episode. I think it would be a great film to cover on the show. The soundtrack by Ron Grainer, who did the theme for Tales from the Unexpected, which featured in one of your Anthology of Horror episodes, is one of my favorites. Somehow it manages to be groovy and thoughtful at the same time. Keep up the great work, guys. The release of Weird House Cinema in particular is always a highlight of my week. Best, Aaron. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. Great message. Uh, so that's going to do it for today. But uh, thanks again to everyone who wrote in. We don't have time to feature or respond to all of the messages we get, but we do read and appreciate everything you send our way. So please keep it coming. It, it really means a lot. Uh, hey, if you're new here, Stuff to Blow Your Mind is primarily a show about science and culture with core episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. 
Mondays, we do listener mail episodes like this one, though usually my co-host Robert is uh, on mic with me. Wednesdays, we release a short-form episode called The Artifact or The Monster Fact. And on Fridays, we feature a special series called Weird House Cinema, where all we do is watch, recap, and discuss weird movies. Good, bad, well-known, obscure. We take all comers as long as they are strange. Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audio producer, J.J. Posway. If you would like to get in touch with us to give feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hi, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.